Thank you for choosing to listen to today's message by Reverend Dr. David Entry. We know you will be blessed as you seek and serve God. We believe that this message will stir up a desire for more of God, even as you listen. Be blessed. Well, we thank God for what Christ has done for us. Christ, the Lamb of God, and he said we should eat his body and drink his blood. Right, I want to read from the book of John chapter 6. Thank you, Jesus. I'm reading from John chapter 6 from verse 51 all the way down to 58. Thank you, Lord. It says that I am, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eats of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I, the, the bread that I give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove amongst themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Who, whoso eats, eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up in, at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwells in me and I in him. As the, as the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eats me, even he shall live by me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. Amen. In Exodus chapter 12, Exodus chapter 12, verse 2 and 3, then I'll jump to verse 7. Exodus chapter 12, verse 2 says that, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. Someone say amen. (laughs) Yeah. This month shall be unto you the beginning of month. It's the beginning of your month. The year is starting for somebody now. You are stepping into a new year now. A new phase of your life. A new season of your life. So shall it be in Jesus' name. This month shall be unto you. This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Now, when he was telling them, they were not in the month, of the first month of the year. They were in the, I think, the seventh month. But he told them this would be the, uh, the civil calendar. It was, the, I think, the seventh month. But in their ceremonial calendar, it was going to be the first or the religious calendar, spiritual calendar, somebody is entering a new phase, new year. In fact, may I take this opportunity to say to somebody, Happy New Year. (laughs) All right. Shall be unto you the beginning of month, the first month of the year to you. Verse 3 says that, Speak speak unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, "In In the tenth day of this month, in the tenth day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house, a lamb for an house. Every man, a lamb for the house. It's interesting when it comes to salvation, is house. Cornelius, Acts chapter 11, I think verse 14 or 15, talks about Cornelius and his house came and listened to the word of God. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your, you shall be saved in your house, household. Acts 16, 31. And Rahab, he says that Rahab and all her house. So it's not only Rahab, but all those who were in the house. And in Joshua chapter 15, I think so, 24 or 24, 50, it says, As for me and my house, 24, 50, 15, 24, we shall serve the Lord. It's a household salvation. I see God granting you Household salvation in the name of Jesus Christ. Verse 7. And they shall take of the blood. All right, I think let me read verse 6. So, and ye shall keep it until the fourth day of the same month, the 14th day of the same month. And the whole 
and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the, uh, on the two posts of two posts of the upper door post. Uh, uh, so strike it on the two side posts of the upper uh, uh, end on the upper door post of the house wherein they eat it. Verse eight. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread and with with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Verse 9, Eat not it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire, his head with his leg, and with the um, pertinence thereof. And ye ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. And that when... Uh, and that which sorry, and that which remains of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire, and thus ye shall eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hands, and ye shall eat it in haste. It shall be it it, it is the Lord's Passover. Hallelujah. This is a very interesting text connecting the two. The first scripture we read which is John. Jesus multiplies bread in, from uh, verse 1. The multitude came to him and then he multiplied the bread because they, they were in a place there was no food. So he, he multiplied bread to feed them. And after he feed them, he asked the disciples, get into the boat unless he, he sends the people away and he leaves. And then in, from verse 24, somewhere down there, the people looked for him and came and found him. And then when they found him, he said, you, I know you are looking for me. When they saw it, they said, Master, how did you get here? When did you leave? How did you get here? He said, I know you are looking for me, not because of, uh, you are looking for me just because of the food you ate. They were, because they are looking for him. They wanted to make him king. They wanted to make Jesus king because of food. It's human nature. Where the people get opportunity and benefits, they want, wherever the channel is, they want to keep it very safe and very well. So he said, you are doing this because you want to, uh, of the food. Then he told them that they, they started giving them lectures, teaching them about the bread. He said, your fathers at Monday said, give us a sign from verse 30 or so. Give us a sign that we may believe you. And he said, your fathers ate bread in the wilderness uh, manner and they died. But unless you eat the bread that comes from heaven, you will not live. And then he started discussing them with them about bread. Remember, he started with bread, verse 6, verse 5 or verse 4. Where shall we get bread for these people? Started with bread. And then he, after they came to seek him, looking for physical bread, he moved their focus onto spiritual, the reality, the real bread. Because he said, the physical bread, when you eat, you will die. But the spiritual one, the real one, which is me, verse 35, said, I am the bread of life. If you eat me, you will not die. So the, back and forth, the discourse was about bread. So it was always about bread. Then you get to the verse 56, 50, 51. And then, he tells them, look at verse 47, Verily, very light, say unto you, He that eats me, uh, eats me, has everlasting life. If you don't eat me, that's talking on Jesus. Say, you have to eat me, else you don't have everlasting life. So then he says that I am, verse 48 said, I am the bread of life. Okay? I am the bread of life. The bread that brings life. The bread that you have to eat me, else you can't live. He said, I am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. Watch this, watch this. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eats of this bread, he shall live forever. All right. If you eat of this bread, you shall live forever. And uh, watch this, watch this. And the bread, and uh, the bread that I will give is my flesh. He introduces flesh there. Is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Oh, oh. wow. He said, the bread that I'm talking about is my flesh, which I'm going to give. Then he continues to say that. Uh, sorry, then the Jews began to dispute and say, how can he give us his flesh? As soon as he brought flesh in, it is also sub, uh, uh, subjected the discourse to another uh, uh, strain, uh, trail of thought. 
how can he give us his bread to eat? And Jesus said unto, unto them, then Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and he also has blood now. Oh boy. <laughs> they were talking about bread. Then he moves it after the discourse of bread and successfully explaining to them what the bread will be for them. Then he says that I'm the, I'm the bread. But you know what? In verse 48, he said, I'm the bread of life. Then he says that if verse 51, that's very interesting. Verse 51 says that uh, if anyone eats this bread, he shall live forever. And the, and the bread which I will give is my mouth. So all along, when he was talking about bread, he said, it is my flesh I'm talking about. My flesh is bread. Are we talking about flesh or bread? And then when after the, when they, they started disputing or wondering about that, he also throws it in, except he eats the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood. Drink his blood. You have, uh, you have no life in you. You don't have life if you have not drunk, eaten his flesh and drunk the blood. Yeah. You don't have life. Are we supposed to drink his blood? Yes. Huh? Verse 54, whoso eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I'll raise it. Come on, this is now. We started with bread, now into flesh, and no flesh, as though flesh was not enough. He introduces blood. Why, in fact, why is he talking about food? Why must this whole discourse, why must he be food for us to eat? Because we don't eat humans. We are not cannibals. We, we eat actual food. And God didn't say when he created man, he didn't say eat human beings. He said eat. So this actually won't be talking about food a little bit. Food is essential to humanity. The Bible, the, when God created Adam and Eve, Bible said he planted a garden in the uh, Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 somewhere there. A garden in the east of Eden and in the verse 9 says, in the midst of the garden, verse from verse 8, and there was every kind of tree in the garden. And then in the midst of the garden was the tree of life in the midst. And the tree of good, of the knowledge, tree of knowledge, like Google, Google tree. <laughs> the tree of knowledge of good and evil. All right. It was also in the midst of the garden. So three types of tree, general tree for food. And then the other tree that are also meant for eating is the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And so God planted it there. So, so in the beginning, in fact, in the book of Genesis, you see food, tree of life appears in Genesis. Genesis chapter 2, right early, Genesis chapter 2, verse 9, tree of life is there. How about the end of the Bible? When you get to the revelation, the last chapter of the Bible, verse 2, it talks about the tree of life was also there. So the tree of life was there from the beginning and it will always be there. And I submit to brothers and sisters, I submit to you that the tree of life is Christ himself. So Christ is the tree of life. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches, John chapter 15. Right, verse 5. I'm the vine, you are the branch from the straight down, you are the branches. So he calls himself a vine, that's a tree, the, the, the tree. And in John chapter 15, verse, sorry, chapter 11, verse 25, said, I am the resurrection and the life. So if he's the life and he's the tree, in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So if he's, he's the life and he's the tree, then he's the tree of life. All right. So the tree of life is Christ. Guess what? He was right from the beginning. And the tree of life is meant for food. It's right in the beginning. And then it's also in the, at the end of the Bible. Interesting. And then when you look through the scriptures very carefully, the first commandment God gave man in Genesis chapter 2 verse 16, I have been saying this, is eat. He said, of every tree that is in the garden, you are free to eat. That's, he didn't say don't eat. He said eat. So the command and God, the Lord God commanded the man that of every tree of the garden to eat, said commanded of every tree, thou shalt freely eat. Then he said, except this one you shouldn't eat. But he commanded him to eat. He commanded, the first commandment God gave man is 
eat. It looks like we are created to eat, as I've been saying. Created to eat what? To eat. So he is supposed to eat the normal trees for physical living and the tree of life so that God, right from the beginning, God wanted, God who was in the garden as tree of life, and he created man to eat, so man can eat him, and then Christ will enter, or God will enter man, and God and man becomes one. But man didn't eat the tree of life. He went and ate the tree of knowledge, of, which represented the nature of Satan, the nature of the devil, the nature of the serpent, and the, the poison of the serpent entered man. From that time to the end of the Bible, it has always been this battle between the the, the, the devil trying to keep man away from the purpose of God. And God has always been working himself, has been planning. And from that time, Genesis chapter 3, as I told you some time ago, God has planned to work himself back into man. The devil thought he has spoiled the plan of God, but God had a master plan, which is in the, in the, in the, in the person of Jesus Christ. Now watch this. So when you study the scriptures, in the wilderness, he gave them food. When they left Egypt, it, they had gold and everything, but what they missed was, if, was related to food was they are eating. When Jesus came, they actually called him, he was always eating. Now, Christianity is a very interesting thing because it is, it is uh, when it comes to food, so long as Christianity is concerned, or God's people is concerned, it has to feasting and fasting. So there's a place for feasting and there's a place for fasting. It is not only fasting. It's not balanced. And it's not only feasting. It's, that would not be balanced. It should be fasting and feasting when it comes to food amongst God's people. And so when you read Revelation chapter 19, verse 9, it talks about the blessed are those who are invited, called to the marriage supper of the Lamb, or other translations, I think particularly um, the New Living Translation, the marriage feast is a feast. We are being invited into feast. Jesus Christ always went to feast. In fact, the first miracle ever Jesus did, he did it at a marriage feast in John chapter 2. I think verse 8 there about it's in the feast that he did it in the marriage feast or from verse 3 he and his disciples were invited to the marriage feast it was a feast that's where he did his first miracle because he did it in in the environment of feasting not any feasting but environment of marriage may christ find your marriage a place to feed or to feast hallelujah because christ and god values marriage from the beginning, the first thing when he created man, he said, I'm going to institute marriage. And when the Bible was ending, he ended with marriage. Therefore, a man shall leave his mother and father to be joined. So God created humanity for the, one of the major reasons he created humanity was for the purpose of marriage. Does that mean if a person is not married, he's not fulfilling the word of God? No, I'm not just, I'm not saying that. That is physical marriage. But the actual marriage he created us for is the one that happens in Revelation chapter 19 from 7, 8, and 9. So let us rejoice and be glad for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. And so what is the bride? The bride of Christ. One day there's going to be this marriage supper. Hallelujah. So we are created for marriage, but not just ordinary. So our human marriage is just a, a lighter and a miniature and a kind of a replica. Miniature depiction of the actual marriage between God and man or between Christ and the church. Praise God. So he created us and he said it. So no wonder Jesus now in the midst of his miracles and his work, he tells them that now listen, let's cut to the chase. I'm here so, so people will eat me. I'm the tree of life. Eat me. But he, he, I, want you to, I want you to notice something. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 29, when God created man, he blessed them and he told them to eat. Listen to this. 29. Genesis chapter 1, verse 29, it says that, And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb, watch this, every herb bringing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in in the which is the fruit of the tree yielding seed to you it shall be for meat now when you read i think I, I'm, I'm sure king james um a new king james will put it shall be for meat that meat there means it's not flesh but it's talking about um to you it shall be for food sometimes the king james uses um yeah, New King James says that uh, to you it shall be for food, for food. All right, so meat there means food. So I'm giving you this because for it to be for food for you, what's it supposed to be for food for, for us? The, the herbs of the 
what's supposed to be for food for us, the um the herb, every herb that yields seed which is on uh, which is which is on the face of the earth and every tree. So herbs and tree, uh, 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 yeah, herbs and trees are given. So God did not give animals for us to eat. When he created man, he said, your diet is supposed to just be the trees. It's supposed to be, uh, 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 what do you call it? Plant life. So what is food for? Food is for nourishing life and sustaining life. Okay, so we eat to nourish life and to generate life, generate and sustain life. We eat to nourish, generate and sustain life. Food is for nourish. If you don't eat, you will die. Anyone who does not eat will die. Living things are meant to be eaten to sustain their lives and to generate further other living things through them. So food is for, don't forget this. So God created us and he said, eat. He blessed them and he said, eat. All right. And then eat the trees. You are not, eat only vegetable, or oh, sorry, vegetative life. You are not meant to eat any other thing. So the animals initially were not meant for food. God created man to eat the tree. Then, so the problem is, um, how come Jesus shows up on the scene and then says that uh, uh, you can eat my flesh? You should eat my flesh. Because initially, flesh was not part of the deal for eat feeding. So that is why, watch this, before the fall, Christ was presented in the Bible as the tree of life. Tree of, it's a tree for eating. After the fall, he is the lamb of God. <laughs> Before the fall, he was presented as the tree of life. After the fall, he became, he is presented as the lamb of God. Now, look, after Noah and his sons came out of the, his family came out of the flood, God blessed them in Genesis chapter 9. God blessed them and see what he said in verse 3. Genesis chapter 9, verse 3. God blessed them and then said, Every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you. Oh, oh. Even as the, uh, even as the green herb has, uh, even as the green herb have I given to you, uh, to you all things. Now he said all things. The things that are moving, animals, shall be for food for you. So he blessed. God said, okay, let me, I think I said, verse, verse one. And, and God, Genesis chapter nine, verse one. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish them. And, and the fear of you and the dread of you shall fall upon every beast of the earth and upon every fowl of the air and upon the, uh, everything that moves on the face of, uh, uh, moves upon the earth and upon the fishes of the sea and you, uh, 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 in your hands are uh, they delivered. Every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you. Now he's blessed them. He said, you are blessed to eat. We are blessed to eat. Now, look, I want to show you a few things where food, Leviticus, in Leviticus chapter 11, verse 2, see what he said about food, about meat, sorry. It says that, speak unto the children of Israel, saying, these are, the, uh, so these are the beasts which ye shall eat among all the beasts of the earth. So when Moses was, the law was being given, it was part of the ordinance that you can you eat of the herbs. You are free to eat, eat of the, um, the trees. Okay, in Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 15, uh, it says that, notwithstanding, thou mayest kill and eat flesh, in all thy gates, whatsoever thy soul lasted after, according to the blessing of the Lord thy God, which he has given thee. He said, so he said, eat. The, he was telling him, eat the flesh, eat the animals. Said you can you are free to eat animals. So after the fall, after the fall, God gave us the liberty to eat animals. Look at first Timothy chapter four, verse three and four. In the New Testament. Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods. You see, the meat there is foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good. Verse for every creature of God is good and nothing is to be refused. If it is refused, received with thanksgiving. 
for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. So those of us who have not been praying over our food, <laughs> it's sanctified by the word of God and with prayer. All right, so he said everything. So we are allowed to now eat meat. We are allowed after the fall, God said, you are free to eat meat. Hallelujah. Um, so feel free and enjoy your um, your meat. But there is something he said which I need you to notice about the uh, meat, the type of meat. Watch this. In the book of Deuteronomy chapter 12, I will read Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 16 and 23, said, Only ye shall not eat the blood, ye shall pour it upon uh, upon the earth as you shall not eat the blood. Huh. Really? Look at verse 23. Verse 23 says that only be sure that ye eat not the blood. Hmm? For the blood is the life, and thou mayest not eat the life with the flesh. You are free to eat the flesh, but the blood. Hmm. Blood? Ah. But did I remember Jesus telling us to eat his blood? A drink his blood? But here, the Lord said that flesh is okay, but blood is not okay. That's an interesting one. I need to show you a few scriptures to buttress this point. In the book of um, Leviticus, or let's just, uh, since I'm in Deuteronomy chapter 15, look at chapter 15, verse 23. Only thou shalt not eat the blood thereof, thou shalt pour it upon the ground as water. Ah, in Leviticus chapter um, 7, verse 26, chapter 19, verse 26, Leviticus chapter 7, verse 26, it says, it says that, Moreover, ye shall, ye shall eat no manner of blood, no manner, whether it be of fowl or beast in any of your dwelling. Oh, Leviticus chapter 19, verse 26. This is chapter 7, verse 26. Let's look at chapter 19, verse 26. This is interesting. Hmm. But Jesus said we should eat his blood. Verse 26, 19, 26. Ye shall not eat anything with the blood, neither shall ye use, use enchantment. Ah, so we shouldn't use, eat anything in the blood. Oh, this is an interesting one. Okay, let's look at um, First Samuel chapter 14, verse 30. That's verse 30, 33. 1 Samuel chapter 14, 33. It says, then they told Saul, saying, Behold, the people sin against the Lord. In that they eat with the blood. And he, and he said, you have, trans, you have transgressed. Roll a great stone upon me this day. He said, you shouldn't eat the blood. He said, they are, the people are sinning against God. They are eating the meat and there's the blood inside. They are eating it with the blood. Oh, oh, this is interesting. But why? Why should the blood not be eaten? In fact, before God blessed food to, to be eaten, can you imagine Cain and Abel? Cain was rearing, brought his sacrifice, or Abel was a man of the field, so of the sheep. So he wore sheep. For what? Because they were not eating flesh. So why are you rearing sheep? Oh, for sacrifice, because they have already sinned. So it was for sacrifice. They needed right from the beginning, after they sinned, they needed the blood. Blood was always needed. So Bible says God made uh, a skin from this, uh, Genesis chapter 3, 22, 23, uh, 21, 23, and it covered them. It made skin, cloth or whatever, or skin, and covered them. How do you get skin? You have to kill the animal. So God shed the blood. So the animals were there for blood. So the blood was necessary for to, to, to work or uh, for necessary to answer for life. I'll explain it in a minute. But then, uh, so he said the people are eating. Now look at Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 17, verse 10. This is where it gets interesting. Verse 10. And who, whatsoever man there be in, in the house of Israel or of the, uh, of the strangers that sojourn amongst you, that eats any manner of blood. I will even set my face against that soul that eats blood and will cut him off from amongst the people. Ha! Say, you are not allowed to eat, God said, you are not allowed to eat blood. Meat, okay. Blood, not okay. 
No, okay. Verse, why? But, but why? Look at verse 11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the, upon the altar to make to make atonement, atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement for souls, for the soul. So you need blood. The life is in the blood. Life, life. watch this. God considered blood sacred. sacred. God, blood is sacred. Genesis chapter 4, verse 9. It came to uh, the guy who killed his brother, Cain. He said, Cain, where is your brother? Where is your brother? And Cain said, why are you asking me this? Am I my brother's keeper? You are not your brother's keeper, but you are certainly your brother's killer. God is asking from you, not because he doesn't know where it is, because you have tempered with life. You have tempered with his blood. And the next verse says that his blood is crying out to me from the ground. Blood is life. Blood is life. So if you eat blood, you have eaten life. And the only life that we need after the fall, before the fall and after the fall, the only life you need is the life of Christ. Hallelujah. Oh, does that make sense why you say you can eat my blood? You can drink my blood? Because the only life we need, the only life, so long as God is concerned, we need, we need is the life that comes from Christ. If you eat other blood, you are commonizing the blood of Jesus. Making it common. Make, I'll show you in a minute. But look at this. Look at this. Verse 14. For it is the... <laughs> for it is verse 44. It is the life of all flesh. The blood, the blood of it is for the life thereof. Therefore, I say unto you, I say unto the children of Israel, ye shall not eat the blood of no flesh, for the life of all flesh is the blood thereof. Where whoever eats it shall be cut off. Don't eat it. Don't eat it. Don't eat the blood. Don't eat the blood. Do not God said don't please don't eat the blood. It's, I, I consider blood sacred. Blood is sacred to God. So Jesus Christ came and shed his blood for us. As I said earlier on, he didn't only come as the bread of life. That's why when we're talking about this, because bread is a plant life. Okay. It comes from the plant life. But when it comes to the flesh, you are talking about animal life. So he moved from this plant life to the flesh. Why? Because the blood is needed for atonement. You know the word atonement. In Hebrews chapter 9 verse 22, it says that for where there's, there's, uh, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Sins cannot be taken away. Sins cannot be forgiven. It takes blood for redemption. The, every redemption requires, oh, the re, redemption requires blood. Remember, redemption requires blood. Redemption requires blood. In Romans chapter 3, verse 25, oh, Jesus, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Romans chapter 3, verse 5. Who God set forth to be propitiation through faith in his blood. To declare, the, uh, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed. So, blood, the, there's redemption in the blood. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, I quoted in the previous teaching, he said in the, uh, verse 18 that you are not knowing that you are not redeemed by perishable things like gold and silver, but verse 19, but with the precious blood of Christ, a blood without spot and without rank, uh, without spot. Perfect blood. Took the perfect blood. In uh, 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 Acts chapter 20, verse 28, which the, he, he purchased with his blood. So he took re, uh, blood for redemption. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, talks about how ye are, uh, for in him we have redemption through the blood. We have redemption. You have been redeemed. Takes the blood to redeem. So in him we have redemption through the blood. Colossians 1, 14. In him we have redemption through the blood. So we get redemption from his blood. In Matthew chapter 26, thank you, Holy Spirit. Matthew chapter 26, verse 28. Matthew chapter 26, verse 28. That's when they were going to have communion. It's getting interesting. For Jesus took the cup and said, For this is my blood, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed, which is shed for for many for the remission of sins blood is for taking away sins or covering sins for dealing sins because the soul that sins will die the wages of sin is dead Romans 6 
23, the wages of sin is death. So any sin, wherever there is sin, there must be death. So death means that life has been taken, has been given. That's why Jesus had to give his blood because blood, the life of a, of a thing is in the blood. Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11, the life of a thing is in the blood. So when he gave his blood, he has given his life for us. When you drink his blood, so his blood is for two important things you should notice. is for redemption, to cover our sins, to appease God, to for God's satisfaction, the fact that sins have been paid for. It satisfies the justice of God, the judgment of God is satisfied with the blood. And guess what? We also take his blood in or we eat, we drink his blood for his life. That's why I said, if unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you don't have life. Okay. So the blood of Jesus, the blood of, we needed the blood. Now I spoke about commonizing the blood of Jesus. But before I, I go there, let me just show you one or two more scriptures. In the book of John chapter 19 verse 34, it talks about they pierced his side on the cross and then blood came out. He shed his blood. His blood flowed for our redemption. His blood flowed for our forgiveness. And in Hebrews chapter, you need to see this one. Why we can, we have to, uh, we don't have to eat any other blood, but only the blood of Jesus. In the book of Hebrews, thank you, Lord Jesus. Hebrews chapter 10, verse, thank you, Lord. Verse 29. Hebrews 10, Hebrews 10, 29, it says, Of how much more sorrow punishment suppose ye shall he uh, suppose he suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who has trodden underfoot the son of god and has counted the blood of the covenant wherein he was sanctified an unholy thing and and let me read from the niv how much more severe do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the son of god underfoot Underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them. So you treat as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctifies you. Now you are treating it like it's holy. It's not holy. And another, another translation uses as an uncommon, as a common thing. The blood of Jesus is not common. So when you eat other blood, you have actually made blood common and for that matter it's, it has a way of making the blood of Jesus even common. Can you imagine? I want to show you something. This this would be a blessing. Look at, listen to this. When the church was having a problem, the Gentiles became born again and the Judaizers or the Jewish believers who were still Juda Judaistic in their approach to Christianity. They felt like, no, you can't be, you can't say you are born again and you are not keeping the laws of Moses. So they have to keep all the laws of Moses in, in the church of Antioch, the Gentile church. And Paul and Silas said, no, it shouldn't be so. And so it became a contention. And so they said, let's go to Jerusalem and let's go and consult the, all the apostles. Let's sit down. So when they went to the apostles, they told them what has happened. And the apostles decided that, no, we do not have to put extra burden on the, the, the Gentiles. Even things that we could not, uh, not our fathers could bear. Why do we put it, saddle them with it that they should do it? And so they said, we cannot do that. Let us tell them that they, should, they don't have to bother to keep the Mosaic law as it were, or the, uh, the ordinances of the, uh, of the, uh, Jude, uh, the Jewish tradition or the Jewish custom. Don't let us keep the Jewish uh, rituals. But the only thing they are supposed to do, verse 20, um, Acts, Acts, Acts um, 15, 20. But that, um, okay, 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 okay. verse 18, no, known unto God are all his works. Wherefore, wherefore, uh, wherefore my, my sentence is that we trouble not them which from amongst the Gentiles have uh, attained to God, but that we write unto them that they abstain from what, she's, what, what they are supposed to abstain from. The church, the Christian, the New Testament church, he said, tell them they abstain from, uh, abstain from pollutions of idols and from fornication. Anyone who tells you that you are born again, doesn't matter, you can just do, you know, you love, you, we love each other. The devil is a liar. Fornication is having an, a, a, a sexual relationship with someone you are not married to. It's fornication. It's society, in, this, in our society, it's accepted. It's okay. But no, I'm not talking about the society. I'm, not, I'm talking about the redeemed community. If you are in the redeemed, repent if you are fornicating. Repent! You are so active in church. How can you reduce yourself to that? 
feel like preaching. He said, let's tell them to abstain from food. Idolatry and fornication or sexual immorality always go together. You study the Bible, you notice. Wherever there's idolatry, there'll be so, uh, sexual immorality. Wherever there's sexual immorality, idolatry. Maybe not images that you create, but then for God doesn't become the center anymore. Wherever there's sexual immorality. Jezebel taught my servant to fornicate and eat food sacrificed to idols. It's there, it's in the Bible. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 21. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 15, he said that Balaam taught Balak. He said, he said, put taught them to put taught him to put stumbling the stumbling block in the part of the people to make them commit fornication and eat food sacrifice to idol. Fornication and idolatry go together. But watch it. There's not only fornication and idolatry. I noticed something here when I was studying my Bible. It says that, but thou, but that we write unto them that they abstain from pollutions of idolatry and from fornication and from strangled and from blood. Abstain from blood? Look at verse 29. From blood. Verse 29. That we, uh, that ye abstain from meats offered to idols and from blood and from things strangled and from fornication. From which, if ye keep yourselves, you shall do well. Fear, uh, fare ye well. Wow. So, blood. Say, abstain from blood. God, God didn't intend for us to be eating blood. We, we, if you are eating all kinds of blood, that means that the, the blood of Christ is also one of the bloods. But that's the only thing God said no one should eat because you're actually eating other life into you. But when you eat the blood of Christ, you have eaten the blood of uh, the life of Christ into you. Hallelujah. Praise God. So now I've established the fact that God created us to eat and Christ came and he said, now come and eat me. And he said, eat my flesh and drink my blood. Now let's go to the lamb because if he said we should eat his flesh and drink his blood. Remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, it says that Christ our Passover, verse 7, Christ our Passover. So when you talk about Passover, Christ for us is, is, is our Passover. I read Exodus chapter twenty, uh, chapter 12. Let's take it again. I'm not reading the whole thing, but I just want to show you a few things. He said, everyone, every house should take a lamb on the uh, 14th day, uh, 10th day of the month and examine the lamb for four days. The way Jesus was examined, I don't want to distract myself too much. So examine the lamb. And then he says that on the 14th day, he said, you shall slaughter the lamb at twilight. Kill the lamb and in the house and then you shall, watch this. I think that is where I want to come to. Remember Jesus said, you shall eat my body, eat my flesh, drink my blood. We have to see because he is our Passover lamb, the lamb of God. Remember, the lamb of God. From that time, that's when they started celebrating the lamb of God, a communion or Passover, 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 lamb, lamb. So the Jews knew there's a particular lamb coming from that. And as, they, as you connect it to Abraham's lamb. All right. So Jesus is the lamb of God for redemption. So he can, he can release his blood for our redemption and then for his blood for his blood and his flesh for our living. All right. So now look at this. It says that we, um, there is no other place in the Bible where the Passover or the redemptive details of the means of redemption is described like this, this chapter. How they were redeemed from Egypt. They were redeemed. The blood is for redemption. Remember, as I said, so uh, vegetable life was for feeding. Okay, for feeding. But now when after the fall, they need the uh, animal life for feeding and redeeming, not only feeding. So for feeding and redeeming, Jesus was the bread. Uh, he is presented as the tree of life for our feeding. But now he is the bread, he is the lamb of God for our redeeming and for our feeding. Our redeeming. No, that's why he said, eat my body, drink my, eat my flesh, drink my blood. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. Now, look at this. I think before I just throw, let me just throw a little bit more light on. When Jesus said, eat my body and drink my blood. Eat my body and drink my, how practically do we eat his body and drink his blood? I think you have me still go on and then I'll, I'll, if I get a chance, I'll mention because of the time. I'll show you the practicality here. So now he says that they shall take verse 7, Exodus chapter 12 verse they shall take of the blood, um, of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the house. So this is what you are supposed to do with the blood. But how about the, the flesh? Look at verse 9. It says that eat not eat raw. How the manner in which if we Jesus said we should eat his flesh, 
how the manner in which we should eat his flesh. Number one, don't eat it raw. <laughs> what does it mean to eat it raw? When you eat the Christ, uh, the, uh, the, when you eat Christ raw, it means that you are just eating him as somebody who just came and died. He lived a normal life. Yes, you are treating him. I think it will still do justice if I go to what I was trying to get into, and I'll come to this. In, in, in John chapter 6, our anchor scripture, when he said, eat my body and drink my blood, look at this. He said, um, verily, verily, I say unto you, the verse 53, verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye eat my flesh and drink my blood, and drink uh, uh, the son of man, the flesh of the son of uh, the, the, the flesh of the son of man, and drink his blood. You have no life in you. Look at verse forty-seven. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believes on me have everlasting life. Oh, okay. When you believe, you have everlasting life. When you eat his flesh and drink his blood, you have everlasting life. If you don't eat and drink, you don't have everlasting life. So it doesn't matter any other thing you do. If you don't eat his flesh and drink his blood, you don't have. That's why it said, verse 53. Verily I say unto you, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. So if you don't have life, you cannot have life any other way by eating. And in verse 47, he says that uh, he that eats me, he that believes on me has everlasting life. So that means that if to have life means to eat, eat him, that's the only way to have life. Eating him means you are getting life. And to have life means to believe in him. That means eating him means believing in him. I think it's very important. To eat Christ means to believe in Christ. When you believe in Christ, that means you are feeding on him. All right, that's very important. So this is how we get, it's not like, it's not communion is talking about, please. Communion goes to enforce what we believe in. It has its own power. It blesses. But eating communion doesn't make you a Christian. Eating communion doesn't make a person a Christian. It's believing in Christ that makes you a Christian. And believing in Christ is what gives you the Zoe, the life of God. Once you believe in him, believing in him means that you are eating him and drinking, eating his flesh and drinking his blood. Okay, that's important because he's the lamb of God. We need the life of God in us. So the lamb of God came to be our life, our sacrifice and our life, our redemption, our, 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 our feeder. So we are supposed to eat him and drink him. Drink, eat his flesh, drink his blood. Eat his flesh, drink his blood. That is why he said, eat my body and drink my blood. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. What does it mean? Equals to believe in me. Now, how, what is the manner of eating? How do we eat? When he said, eat his blood. Let me give, give you a few points quickly. Number, point number one. When he said, eat, how should we eat this meat? He said, don't know, eat it raw. Eating it raw is just, I believe in him. But I believe he's just a carpenter's son or one of the great men that lived. Ah, you are eating him raw and it won't work for you. So, number one, don't eat him raw. How do you, what's the manner in which we should eat him? Number one, do not eat him raw. Number two, it says that, I think, let me just stay with this text. Number two, it's um, verse eight, Exodus chapter 12, verse eight, it says, verse nine, I'm sorry. Do not eat it raw, nor boil it all at, at all with water. So don't boil it with water. When we talk about boiling it with water, it's like regarding his death as um, as martyrdom. It's just, he's a, he's a good guy. They just killed him. He was a nice guy. So it's as martyrdom. When he eat his raw, it's just like a normal human being who got born and lived in Palestine and dead. That's eating raw. When you, you, you boil his life with water, you kill him. But he said, oh, this death didn't mean anything. It was just a normal death. Everybody dies and he's, he's just martyrdom. So you water down his death. That is his martyrdom. Number three. So number one, don't eat him raw. Number two, don't boil him with water. Number three, um, boil, uh, boil with water, but roast, roast him. The lamb of, he said roast him. What does it mean to roast him? What is fire? Hebrews eleven twenty nine. 29, I think so. It says, God is a consuming fire. Fire always starts for the judgment of God. That is why the lake of fire is there. Hell is a place of fire. A place where God vents his judgment. The judgment of God is in scriptures typified as with fire. And when he says that one of the things that fire stands for in the Bible mainly is the judgment of God. He says that it should be burned with fire. Everyone's way will be tested by fire. Okay. 
It's first Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13. Every man's work will be tested by fire. So fire is like the judgment of God. In Revelation chapter 2, he talks about his laser, his eyes. Chapter 1, the eyes were like laser beams. Fire was in his eye. He looks at you. And so when he was judging the, the church of Titeria, is it? I think the church of Titeria. Yeah, he said, this is he who who's uh, Revelation chapter 2, verse 18, 19. This is he whose eyes are like laser fire. So fire has to do with judgment. All right. And so when he said roast Jesus, that means that you you bring him that his death was a judgment of God on sin. That's why on the cross he said, Eli, Eli, Lamaxabatani, my father, my father, why have you turned away from me? Why have you forsaken me? Because sin came on him in in, in first second Corinthians chapter two, verse sorry, chapter five, verse twenty-one. Bible says he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So he became sin on the cross when all our sins were. Bible said he came to bear the sins of the world, the sins. So the sin of the world was on him and the judgment, the anger of God against sin was released upon him. So the sin of Moses, the sin of Adam, all those people who died before Christ, they had the blood to cover. So the blood was covering and shifting the day of uh, towards the day of atonement, towards the day of crucifixion. So when Jesus died, he died. Bible said, this is uh, John chapter 1 verse 29. This behold the Lamb of God who takes away what? The sins of the world. He carried the sins of the world. And so the judgment of God came upon him. At once, the judgment also roast him with fire. What does that mean? When you are believing in Jesus and you are living a Christian life, you have to live it in the light of the fact that he suffered for your sins. Don't let the devil tell you that thing you did can never be forgiven you. Don't let the devil tell you. doesn't matter whatever you have done in the past before you came to Christ. And even after you came to Christ and you backslided and came back. Once you, you repent and ask for forgiveness, gross Jesus with fire. Know that the judgment of God came on Jesus. Not you. Not you. Not the son of God. My pastor, you just said everyone's work will be tested. Yeah, the work. It's not you. He said, read it. He said, he himself will be saved. It's the work that will be tested by fire. The ju- when you are in Christ, the judgment of God comes upon. If it's going to come upon, it's the works, the bad works. But So, roast him with fire. So, number one, don't eat him raw. Number two, don't boil him with water. Number three, roast with, with, with fire. Hallelujah. Number four, eat with unleavened bread. You know unleavened bread. I taught on little living. Living usually, living usually stands for wrong doctrine or sin. So unleavened bread. Don't eat him pure. Don't be eating Jesus and then your life is mixed with all kinds of sin and normal. No, no, no. Eat him with unleavened, unleavened bread. Not him. But you are mixing unleavened bread and it's not acceptable. So if you're a Christian, please be Christian. Be Christian. Well, bro, let's be Christian. Let's be Christian in all our approach and our attitude. So eat him with unleavened bread. Number five, it says, number five is, um, I think I should read it. Um, that's verse 10. Where am I now? Do not eat him raw, boil it. Verse 10, you shall let none of it remain. Okay, verse 9 says that, um, do not eat it raw, boil with, oh, uh, yeah, Roast with fire, its head with its leg and its entrails. The head, the head stands for the wisdom of Christ. The leg, his moves and his activities and his entrails, all that inside is internal, everything. Don't accept Christ partially. Take him, believe him. Every The wisdom of God in the scriptures, accept it. Don't say, oh no, I, I believe that I can forgive. I can't just forgive and go away like that. No, take everything he's saying, everything he's taught. Don't. Some people receive the word of God. They come to the word of God like buffet. They only accept some parts and leave the other parts. No, you have to receive it fully. Receive everything. So he said, don't, don't eat with the head, the leg, the intestines and everything. Eat everything. And he says that don't leave, don't let anything remain. Eat all. Don't accept him only partially. That when it comes to my business, no, please take, uh, let's do not do this church, church. Let's separate church and business when it comes to my life. No. Your entire life, you eat him everything. His wisdom, he's the wisdom of God for us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse, verse, verse 24, he says that uh, Christ is the wisdom of God for us, or Christ, uh, those of us who are saved, he is, I think I would like to read it, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24. But, 
to those who are called, both Jews and Greek, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. He's the wisdom of God. He's everything for us. Those of us who are saved, Christ is simply everything for us. In John, as, as we read, in John chapter 6, John chapter 6, again, let me show you there, Christ there. In John chapter 6, verse 57, it says that, as the, living fa- as the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eats me, even he shall live by me. You are living by him. It says that the life I now live, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Colossians chapter, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. He, I live by faith. It's his life. I'm not just imitating him. I live his life. He's living his life through me. That is very important. In Revelation chapter 14, verse 4, look at this. Revelation chapter 14, verse 4. These are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb wherever He goes, wherever. So you follow fully. You are following fully. You have accepted every aspect of Christ. You have accepted. Jesus said in John chapter um John chapter 14, verse 19, it says that uh, I live because I live, you will live. Uh, I quoted it in the previous teaching, and let me quote it again. In John chapter 19, yet a little while the world will see, see me no more, but ye shall see me because, because I live, ye shall live also. Look at verse 20. At that day, ye shall know that I am in the Father, and ye are in me, and I am in you. You are in me, and I am in you. So we are in him, he is in us. It's like, it's, it's, uh, we, we, our life is an expression. Every aspect of us is him. In fact, in the book of Philippians, chapter, well, chapter 1, verse 8, it talks about, I am caring for you with the inward or with the passions of Christ. Not my passion, the passions of Christ, the, the bowels of Christ, the inner, inner part of Christ. Because I'm so much part of him, my expression of love and care towards you is actually kind of an expression of Christ's love through me. That's how we have to accept him hook, lime, and sinker. It's everything. Also, number one, you eat, don't eat it raw. Number two, don't eat boil it with water. Number three, um, roast him. Number four, eat everything, everything. Number, number five, um, do not, uh, number five is eat with bitter herbs, okay? Eat with bitter herbs. Number five, verse, verse eight says that, and they shall eat the flesh in that night, roasted with fire and unliving bread and with bitter herbs. Bitter herbs, they shall eat it. Bitter herbs. So you shall eat it with bitter herbs or or living bread, and you shall eat it with bitter herbs. All right. What's bitter herbs? Bitter herbs means with regret and repentance. You are not proud of your sins. When you are a Christian and you sin, you believe in Christ and you sin, you feel bad about it. It's not that like the pastor is preaching, so is someone going to tell him, why, why, why? Is he, is he part of his business? Why, 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 why? No one can tell me what I should do. Hey, please, let's eat him with bitter herbs. <laughs> and repent. Eat him. If you say you believe in him, don't eat him raw. Eat Christ with bitter herbs. With some Christian, the Christian life comes with persecution. The Christian life comes with sometimes painful decisions you have to make to the glory of God. Eat him with bitter herbs. You are believing him, but it's not going to be all rosy, rosy, rosy. Eat him with bitter herbs. Eat Christ with bitter herbs. Hallelujah. And then the last, um, the last one, point number eight. So I'm giving you, uh, uh, last but one, number seven is, uh, is, is there, verse 11. And that shall he eat it with your loins get up, your shoes on, and you, uh, on your feet, and your staff in your hand. You eat it with your loins get up. I can't get the chance. Ephesians chapter six verse fourteen. He says that put on the whole armor of God. And first thing is, your loins we get that with belts. Okay, loins. Uh, first Peter chapter one verse thirteen he said, get up, get your mind with loins. Okay, the loins of your mind. Get get the loins of your mind. What when it means to get. Loins. It's like those days the slaves will be wearing flowing robes. They used to wear floral. When you are seven, your, your apron, you know, every apron usually good one comes from and has something you can tie. Yeah, you have to tie it so that it doesn't flow into the food. And it, don't live a loose life. That's what it means. Don't live a loose, live a very tight life. Tight in, in Christ. Get your loins. When you are eating Christ, believe it. Get your loins. Be alert. It's not everywhere you can go. It's not everything you can watch. It's not every conversation you can be part of. You, it's not everything. Oh, it's just uh, 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 do, final do, or what they call it, work do, and it's just, we are just going. No, yes, you can, you can be part, but it's not everything you can take part of. 
Because why? You be a believer. Oh, that's the point. I'm a believer. Hallelujah. Because I'm a believer, I cannot just do some things. When you're a believer, it's not everything you can do. Hallelujah. Get up your loins. And now when it's to get up your loins, you are ready to act for him. You are ready to take a stand for Jesus. And then he said, wear your shoes. Your shoes and your staff. No one travels without your staff. How are you going out of home without your car keys? Or if you are without your oyster? Or with, without a car to pay? Money on your car to pay? You, if you are traveling, you take some stuff with you. So staff. All right? No one travels without staff. Your staff. But those they said your staff. So they travel with the staff. So in readiness to travel. And then this traveling we are going to do. Have you seen a soldier without shoes? You are going to war without shoes. No, you have to wear some shoes. When you look at the boots of soldiers, it's very thick and very strong. Why? Because you need to be short with the preparation of the gospel. You, you must shoe. You must have shoes on. Because it's a, it's a tough journey. You are embarking on a tough journey. So in other words, have your mind prepared for battle. Have your mind prepared for a, potentially a rough ride in Christ as you travel. Not because life will be bad, but people will make life hard. Paul said, not all men have faith. Hallelujah. And then the, the last one is, um, um, uh, eat it in haste. Eat it in anything God tells you, get quit, obey. If you are believing in Christ, don't say, oh, if I have to break out with this girl, even I have a concubine, I'm married, I have a girlfriend, and you know, she loves me, I love her, but I have to break her. But now I know in time, graduate, to stop the gradual thing, eat, in, eat it with haste. If you are believing, believe in haste. I'll say, well, I'll, I'll stop tomorrow, one day I'll stop. When is the one? Today is the tomorrow you spoke about yesterday. Act now. So, eat my flesh, drink my blood. This is how to eat his flesh. And the blood, you have to apply, use hyssop to apply it. The blood is at the door. Entry point is Christ. We enter into Christ with Christ. The door of the house, which is the church, you enter through Christ. The blood of Christ is what, if you didn't come through the blood, you haven't come in. How? The blood, you have to ask for forgiveness and cleanse. So that's what it means to drink his blood. To drink his blood means that you have accepted his redemptive work for you. You came in knowing that he came to save the sinners. You don't become a Christian because you are a good person. No, you become a Christian because you believe he saved you as a sinner. So you, are, you, you drink his blood. You believe that his blood, his death was not in vain. His death did saved you. You believe that his life and the things he taught and everything he did is for you. That is how you believe in Christ. You have, that's how you eat his flesh and drink his blood in Jesus. We thank God for using his servant, Reverend Dr. David Entry, to share this awesome word. If this message has blessed you in any way, please spread the word by sharing it and send us an email to amen at charis.org. Remember to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and Twitter for regular updates on what God is doing here at Charis Ministries. Stay blessed.